Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Breakfast Theology. This is Josiah King, and as usual, at least for the last month or two, I'm joined by Isaac Kane and Chuck Jones. No funny introductions today. We can change that. No, I okay. think we're okay. Cut. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed our last episode on Romans. Today we're going to be talking about an interesting subject that I think uh, maybe gets us into trouble. Yeah, and it's a kind of a good question too. And I, I've heard it brought up by many people. When does temptation move into sin? Because being tempted can't be a sin. And you know that how? Yeah, so... And maybe we should talk about that first. Yeah, so to, to start us out here... Oh, I almost missed one of our classics. we got to tell everybody what we ate. <laughs> Before oh, we yeah, we got to stay down. I had breakfast. <laughs> I also had breakfast. Did you have breakfast? I kind of had dessert. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Isaac actually had a diabetic coma for breakfast. Yeah. I had a New Mexico chicken bowl with hash browns. It was, it was very good. Uh, I walked in to IHOP and I saw this advertisement for Reese PC's pancakes and I immediately knew what I wanted. <laughs> um, so I got those and Josiah was right. It was... Was it a caramel or like peanut butter sauce? It was a peanut butter sauce with Reese PC's and whipped cream. <laughs> oh man, it was awesome. <laughs> it was fantastic. I don't want to get it every time, but I wanted to try it and it was great. Yeah. Well, I had something I don't mind trying every time was a Spicy for bun. Oh, I don't <laughs> mind trying it every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the spicy poblano. Um, it's a good. Mm. It's a good staple here. Yeah, for sure. Made with farm fresh eggs, cooked to perfection. <laughs> Sounds like you're reading it off the menu. <laughs> <laughs> so here's how I know that temptation is not a sin. Because Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest, talking about Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who was tempted in every way that we are, yet was without sin. Mm -hmm. It was Hebrews? Hebrews 4.15. Hebrews 4.15. And uh, it's not like they're just saying that out of nowhere either. You know, you look at Matthew 4, and that's explaining... Uh, a season of temptation that Jesus had from Satan himself. Yeah, you know? Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, mm -hmm. but he didn't sin in the wilderness. So there, there has to be a way to sin, or sorry, excuse me. There's a lot of ways to sin. <laughs> there has to be a way to sin. No. Have you tried any of them? <laughs> there has to be a way to be tempted without sinning, because Jesus was tempted without sin. Mm -hmm. So temptation is not equivalent to sin, because if it were, then Jesus would have sinned. And if he did, then that would have really messed things up for us. Mm -hmm. But he didn't. He was perfect and right. sinless. But and, he still was tempted. And I think that teaching itself is not even like something that we can implicitly find in Scripture. You know, we can look at, oh, Jesus was tempted, and yet he didn't sin, so we can implicitly see that temptation does not equal sin. But I think it's even explicitly said, <coughs> excuse me, in James 1. Yeah. Is that I what you're about to look at? Go ahead. Oh. Uh, so James 1, 14 and 15. 
Uh, it says, but each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desires. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. So there's a kind of a step-by-step -step there, progression. And temptation is not, you know, he's not saying each person is tempted and they are sinning when they're tempted. You know, each person is tempted and when it conceives or gives birth, then it brings sin, which we can talk about more later. But... So it's pretty implicit or explicitly said in Scripture that temptation is not equal sin. Well, if you look in James 1 and verse 12, it said, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> kind of a crazy thought, isn't it? Because we usually, I don't know, growing up in the, in the church, we, are, we shy away from saying we're tempted. You know, like, oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah I, I'm not... I'm not tempted by sin. It was just like, it, it, just, it just sounds wrong to say like, oh yeah, I'm tempted. But it's not temptation that's the, is the bad thing. It's the sinning that's the bad thing. Right. And in fact, you are a hero of the faith following God's will and Jesus' example if you're tempted and don't sin. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I wouldn't go looking for temptation. No. No. That's true. It's not like you're putting yourselves into tricky situations just to see how good your willpower is. Yeah. In, in fact, uh, Paul even says how you shouldn't even do that to other people. Yeah, don't be a stumbling block. Yeah, don't yeah. be a stumbling block. That tempts them to sin. Yeah. So, we've kind of established here, I think, sufficiently. I mean, someone, if you have a different opinion... Let us know by emailing us at breakfasttheology at yeah. gmail.com. Nice little plug. Yeah. <laughs> shameless. I am shameless when it comes to trying to include you guys to participate with us. Yeah, but it's interesting. Yeah. The verses that Isaac read tell us where even temptation comes from. Mm -hmm. Very true. Why does a thing tempt you? Because that's what you're looking for. <coughs> he says in verse 14, Each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. You're looking for something maybe specific. And you know what? It's not right, but we, we can paint it gray. And when that opportunity shows itself, what do you do? Take it. You're enticed. And the illustration I always appreciated about this was fishing. Hmm. You know, you fish? I have fish. I would not call myself an avid fisher. Okay. Same. And I won't either. So <laughs> take a lure, not bait. Well, a bait would still work, but a lure. You throw it in the water and pull it through the water, and it's got its little motion and sparkles. And mm -hmm. Fish don't see the hooks. Mm. They, uh, as a matter of fact, that's why they call it a lure. Yeah. They're looking for something. <laughs> the fish are. Mm -hmm. And this looks like it's going to fit the bill this lure now they're enticed as James says here he's drawn away by his own desires 
and enticed. The fish sees this thing and grabs it. Mm. Now, the hooks are in him. He can't spit it out or get away from it. Mm -hmm. He's going to end up going where he doesn't want to go. Yeah. Staying longer than he wants to stay. Same thing with us. We have some kind of a desire. Let's say for money. You want a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And so you walk out of the restaurant and you notice the cash register is open. Mm. Nobody's looking. Yeah. Now you're enticed mm -hmm. because of your desire. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I see this as a two-part equation here. You have what's inside of you in your heart being triggered by an external stimulus. Yeah. And that external thing is the temptation. And the desire is the internal nature that draws you towards that thing. So we, we all have this sinful nature. Some of us have proclivities towards different sins than others. Mm -hmm. But we all have this sinful nature. And when there's, as you were saying, this external stimulus that particularly as enticing to us that is when we have this option that is when we're tempted that's when temptation starts right then but then there's this option what do we do from that point mm -hmm. that's when we either head in the direction of sin or we head in the direction of righteousness so we have this desire inside of us mm -hmm. a situation is before us and we have the option to grab it <coughs> Or we have the option to let it go and walk away. Right. As we were reading in James 1, I just think of pregnancy, right? Mm -hmm. It has this, like, yeah. the, the talking of, like, giving birth and, like, this gestational kind of period, this, this thing that takes time to grow inside of us. And it can grow quickly, but mm -hmm. it's not like just an instant boom, boom, here you go. You're tempted, you sin, you're dead. Like, that's... It doesn't go quite that fast. It seems to have some kind of gestational period where hopefully we're having this internal conflict after we've been redeemed through Christ and, and the Spirit's working in our lives. We, we should have this internal conflict that's saying, oh, maybe maybe I, I shouldn't want to reach out or like I shouldn't reach out and grab this thing that's in front of me right now. So <clears throat> when our lust takes over, though, when our... When we have given ourselves over to the contemplating of it, to the desiring of it, when yeah. we have stopped fighting and we've conceded ourselves to partaking, I think that's when it becomes sin. Because you can sin in a desire, you can sin in lust without actually physically doing anything. Yeah, what's, what did Jesus describe as murder? Hatred. Or of committing adultery. Is yeah. yeah. Like my dad used to say, it's as bad to think it as to say it. Hmm. But you have you guys chewed tobacco? <laughs> yeah, I, I have before. I have not, actually. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> you don't want to try it again? That's why I do not participate on a regular basis. <laughs> okay, well, so did I. But 
I rather enjoyed it. Mm. So that would be a, more of a temptation for me right. than for you. Mm -hmm. So not everybody, I'm thinking, has the same temptation. It's the mm -hmm. same desires in our hearts, mm -hmm. the same right. wants, goals. Mm -hmm. <coughs> yeah. You know, I think about with that, um, you know, it's talked about like, you know, Satan prowls like a lion wanting to strike. No, most of the time when we see predators or we see things like lions and stuff, they try to hunt after what's weak. If something is sick or ill or the youngest, like the baby, it goes after that because that's the easiest kill. And I think Satan works similarly where he tries to go where we're weakest to try to take us down easiest. You know, and so, you know, maybe he's going to try going after you and showing you an external stimulation of temptation that's different from Josiah or different from me and vice versa. Um, and, you know, Matthew 4, we were talking about a few times now, when Satan goes and tempts Jesus, you know, that's an external stimulus, as we talked about. It's Satan going and bringing up to Jesus um, things that he probably had a slight desire for. You know, he didn't eat for 40 days. The first thing Satan says is, hey, use your power to turn some rocks into food. You know, it's probably a very normal desire for him to want to have some food right then. And, um, the next thing was using his power to protect himself because, I mean, Jesus knew the kind of stuff that he was going to experience later in life of yeah. the crucifixion. And then finally Satan just goes for, you know, Jesus' desire to have the world, you know, be under, like, how God wants it to be. And so that's the, the final last temptation was... Ban on to me and I'll give you everything. I can make you the king now. Yeah, I can make you the king Without you now. having to go through the suffering. Right, right. And so, you know, he was tapping into probably some temptational thoughts that Jesus had. And he responded with... Obedience, yeah. With obedience, you know. Earlier, too, you talked about, you know, you're like, hopefully once we're, you know, renewed by Christ and we have the Spirit in us, that helps us keeping the thing, from us doing the things we want to do. And I immediately thought of Galatians 5, 17. It says, For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposing to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. And I find that interesting. Both of them are trying to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So if you're in the flesh, the spirit's trying to keep you away from the ways of the world and keep you from doing those bad things that you want to do. Whereas if you're already in the spirit and renewed by Christ, the flesh is fighting for you to keep you from doing the things that you truly want to do, which is honor God. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, there's that battle, and hopefully when we're in the spirit, we choose to do things that we truly want to do, which is honor and worship God, other than the world. I think God uh, gives some interesting advice here to one of the first sins in history potentially the second, but I'm sure there were more before this, just the second one recorded here. So, there's a fallen man with Adam and Eve, and they have a couple sons, Abel and Cain. Yeah, I know the irony. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, don't let the Cain name... Fool you. Yeah. <laughs> so, Abel brings his sacrifice of the flock, and Cain brings his sacrifice of the vegetables or whatever he grew in the garden. And God's more pleased with Abel's sacrifice for whatever reason. And verse 5 says, 
So Cain became very angry, and his countenance fell. Like his expression, his demeanor became downcast. And then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Mm-hmm. And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, if you do good, will not your countenance be lifted up? If, if you are following what you're supposed to be doing, you will be in the right place. And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door Mm. and its desire is for you (laughs) but you must master it what what did god just say because he says you have a choice here you you i think this is the point of temptation for cain he is angry and upset and he he has a choice he either decides to do well for himself and if he does, then God says that he's going to regain his, his countenance, his joy. But if he doesn't, right on the other side of his threshold, like right on the other side of this choice, sin is waiting for you. And it, is, and it wants to devour you. It's like this rabid wolf or bear or something mm. right on the outside of the door. And he knows it's there. Mm. And the second he steps out, it's going to devour him. Mm. And what happens? Cain chooses to follow through with his desire instead of doing well he kills his brother and he he has to pay the consequences for that son Mm -hmm. so there was a time where he was tempted but without sin right in this particular moment Mm -hmm. and we are confronted with those moments every single day all the time every Mm -hmm. minute when Mm -hmm. you see someone that you find attractive or you have an opportunity to steal or lie or you don't necessarily want to tell the truth about something or mm-hmm. you know the list goes on but the mm-hmm. options <laughs> to, to sin but is our choice when we are confronted with those times to reflect on what God is saying here to Cain here mm-hmm. you have a choice right on the other side of this choice is sin is the adversary and he's waiting to devour you he wants to eat you up and spit you out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jesus even uh, said sort of the same thing to his disciples after he had washed their feet. And he said, Now that I've done this for you, you do this for each other. Mm-hmm. You will be happy if you do what I tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. you he didn't say, You'll be happy to do it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. But you'll be happy if you do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, I truly believe this, that over time, with the Spirit in our lives, our desires change. Yeah. Oh, definitely. We become new creatures. We become yeah. new creatures with different desires. And God, I think with this new life god places in us what those desires are we we become the image of christ and hopefully our desires are transformed to where the things that used to tempt us are less tempting mm-hmm. or hopefully there are some temptations that have just gotten rid of altogether and i think that's possible mm-hmm. oh yeah oh yeah well take a take a man lying in a coffin at the funeral home What's he tempted by? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. 
Even the things he used to be tempted by right. don't have an effect on him. Why? Because he's dead. Yeah. And that's how we should look at ourselves. Mm. Paul uses a lot of pretty colorful language to crucify the flesh, mortify the flesh. You know, mortify. Yeah. To make something dead. Make something dead. And if it's dead, it doesn't have any lust, right? Any greed, any desires. Because mm -hmm. you're dead. Dead in, dead in the flesh, alive in Christ. Right. So you continuing to be tempted by what you used to be tempted by is like trying to raise something back from the dead. Yeah. It's it's running back to the filth from which you came. Yeah. Right. And right. there's a good chance. I'm not willing to take a hundred percent bet, but close. There's a good chance that we are gonna go back to that at some point. Like a dog to its vomit, you know? Mm -hmm. That we are probably gonna sin at some point, you know, and be mm -hmm. tempted by what we used to be tempted by. But as as we grow and continue to pray, I think our ability yeah. to resist that temptation grows. And our nature, hopefully, will be changed. And ultimately, when we become completely re renewed, um, when all pain and death and sin is done away with in the, in the kingdom, the temptations will be gone. We will yeah. be perfected in yeah. our nature. Yeah. I, I've heard it well said once of, you know, like before Christ is, like before we were renewed by Christ and the gospel, you know, sinning was like cutting with the grain of, you know, of the meat. Like it's easy and it like works part of, it's part of our nature and something that we just do. But once we become new and the more that we grow in Christ, the more sinning is like going against the grain. You yeah. know, and it can still happen. It's just not as natural, or it shouldn't be as natural. And it gets, should be, anyway, getting easier and easier. Mm -hmm. um, again, Galatians 5, spirit and the flesh are at war with each other. I feel like the more you're in the spirit, the more the spirit is fighting to keep you from doing the quote-unquote things you want, which is the temptation you're feeling of, of sin. Yeah. I've never been disappointed not be able to do something I didn't want to do. Mm -hmm. yeah. Same thing with temptation. Yeah. If you don't want to do it, it's not going to be difficult to avoid it. Yeah. And I think the we, we could move our discussion into the area of conscience. Mm -hmm. Is your conscience trained in godliness? First Timothy 4, 8. Bodily exercise profits a little. But godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So can we draw a hard line when we say that temptation becomes sin at a certain point? Is there, is there something that happens in our minds? Is there an action or thought that, that takes place? Is there any way that we can quantify it or describe it maybe not, so that people can deal with it appropriately? Not fully, I would imagine. It's going to be different for each person in time. But I think back to Matthew 5, uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, you know, 
You know, you heard it said, <coughs> do not commit adultery, but I tell you, even if you, you know, lust after a woman, you commit adultery in your heart. Thanks. Thank you. You know, I think of that Greek word again, that epithumeo. You know, it's to set your heart upon or to long for or desire. I feel like when a temptation either brings you to action or it completely fills your mind and your conscious in that moment is when it's becoming sin. You know, I don't think that word suggests that a thought that, like, the thought of that appearing is a sin, but when it starts to overtake your consciousness, kind of like what you were saying earlier about, uh, Chuck, about um, stealing money from the cash register. If it's like, oh, that's open and I could take cash from it, but then you're like, no, that's not a thing, and you keep moving on, I don't think you necessarily committed a sin there. But when you start going, oh, I could take money from that. How can I get away with no it? No one's looking. Can How can I get yeah. away with it? That's when it's already becoming sin. Like when it starts to control and fill your mind. I think ultimately part of the problem with temptation becoming sin is when, again, that word is like to desire to set your heart upon. When your heart sets upon something and desires something that's not God and something lower, that's when it's a sin. And so, again, that taking the money example, your heart is, shifts from I'm satisfied and desiring God to I now will feel satisfied if I have this money. You know. I think that's what Romans 1 teaches is that everything is idol worship in its essence because we worship things created rather than mm. the one who created them. So the wealth of this world, other mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. you know, power, influence, these are all things that are below God. And when yeah. our heart is set on those, we are idolizing them. We, we are setting them in a place that should be reserved solely for, for God. And... So ultimately, our sin becomes idol worship, and, and God is betrayed by idol worship. It's, it's essentially spiritual idolatry with God. Right, right. I think of uh, a C.S. Lewis quote. And those who know me know I talk about this quote all the time, but I love it. Um, he says, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with, what he basically says is worldly pleasures, uh, when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what it's meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Mm. And, and you know, I love that because most of the time we think, oh, we're being righteous and good and not sinning when we get rid of our desires because our desires are, are bad. And he's trying to say, no, you are just settling for something that's too low with your desires. Your desires should be set upon God. Yeah. That's the best thing. That's the holiday at sea, and you're settling for mud pies in the slum. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Romans 1, we're worshiping the created, not the creator. There's something far better than the created, but we are getting fixated on that instead of the creator. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I don't know if there's a way we can say, oh, this is the exact moment when you go from a temptation to a sin, but I feel like the best we can say is when it, it takes a foothold in your mind. Yeah. When you start mulling it over, mm-hmm. when you stop resisting it. There you go. Yeah. First uh, Corinthians, Second Corinthians. Ten, four, and five, and six. 
Paul says that we're taught to bring every thought captive to Christ. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was sharing that with an individual one time, and she said, well, what if you have a bad dream? Hmm. But you shouldn't. How are you bringing that into captivity? <laughs> hmm. She thought she had me. And I said, well, the dream itself you can't be charged with but, however, if when you're awake, you start thinking about that dream, now right. you can be. Mm -hmm. Right. What are you doing when you're thinking about it? Mm -hmm. David said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, you won't hear my prayers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I enjoy sin in my heart. Right. I'm not doing it. I'm wishing I was, but I'm not. <laughs> Right. Yeah, it's those, it's like those crime bosses who are like in court and they're like, I never killed anyone. I never sold any drugs. I never did this or that or stole anything. Yeah, you physically didn't do it, but you were running it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. We're the mob boss of our sin, you know? Yeah. Even if we don't. Write that down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, even if we aren't the ones directly like actually physically doing an act and our hearts are still mm. contemplating and running it in our minds, we are are guilty for that. Yeah. Guess who's there every time you sin? <laughs> you. Me. Yeah. Yep. And God. And God. Yeah. 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 Sin is never a, a singular practice. It is never done by yourself. You're never in, it's never in secret. No. Mm -hmm. There was a... Not from God anyway. Right. An infraction that happened at camp one year, and uh, there was a young man who was a suspect, but he wouldn't confess to it. You know, mm -hmm. one of the, I think it was a camp director said to him, "Somebody saw you," and I, I. I had nothing to do with it, but it's like when you hear that, it's like found out. Yeah. And the camp director said, Somebody saw you do that. Mm. It was God. Mm. And He sees it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's nothing hidden in the darkness, nothing done in secret that will not be shouted from the rooftops yep. on the day of judgment. Exactly. Mm. And that's when our shame will be made complete. And our forgiveness will really yeah. become a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've been, that reminds me, I've been saying a lot lately that the less you sugarcoat the gospel, the sweeter it becomes. Yeah. Yeah, you, know? you, you are a wretched, deprived, messed up person who may occasionally do something that's slightly good. Mm. Yeah. But more often than not, even some of our good things are selfishly motivated. Exactly. And even, even if they are intrinsically good, it does not, there's no scales we can balance out. You know, even if there were, we wouldn't even be close. Right. right. Which is why the only way we get to salvation is through Jesus. Yeah. There's no way we're doing it on our own. Yeah. 
it is impossible mm -hmm. on our own. Yeah. So temptation becomes sin when we stop resisting it. But as long as we're fighting, and I, I say this prayer all the time, something comes into my mind and my thoughts and I can feel myself drawn to it. I say, I, I usually try to stop and I say, God, I know this is not what you want me thinking or feeling right now. Please renew my mind and restore my spirit and yeah. just just give me the thoughts that you desire me to have. You know, let me think the way that is honoring to you. Yeah. And I think even just taking a second to say that prayer yeah. goes a long way to just helping you reset and just yes, yes. and be able to have the strength to walk away. Yeah. I've con I've had the contention that you can't sin while you're praying. However, a lot of times when I'm praying, these crazy sinful thoughts come through my brain and it's like, where in the world did that come from? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I wasn't focusing on that. Mm. But I, I don't think you could actually commit a sin while you're praying. It would be very difficult. Yeah. The kicking against the pricks. Yeah. Mm. So keep praying. Yeah. yeah. Maybe continually. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I'll pray without ceasing, like Paul says. Yeah. yeah. Jesus told his disciples, pray so that you don't enter into temptation. Mm -hmm. Now, if that was good advice for them, how much better is it for us? Right. And in the Lord's Prayer, he says, deliver us from the evil one. You know, help us have the salvation from the sin. Right. I just happened to, I have the Bible app and everything, and it gives you like a verse of the day. And while we were talking about this, it appeared, and it was very, very fitting. It was Paul in Philippians 4, saying, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellent, uh, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Love that verse. Yeah. It's great. Because it's, talking about I think or I've applied it this way you uh, take that list of qualities yeah. and your thoughts mm. become public knowledge yeah. oh now what yeah people know what you're thinking do they fit that list of qualities mm. I can tell what a person does by watching you know, mm -hmm. I can't tell what they're thinking. I don't know. It's that's an impossible yeah. thing. Yeah. I think though that in the kingdom we're gonna know like we are known. Yeah. And understanding people's others' thoughts may be just as easy as talking. Mm. You understand what I'm saying because I'm using that language. Yeah. Well, and I'm thinking that our thoughts are going to be just as public. Huh. And if that scares you, you better change the way you're thinking. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, this world would uh, quickly descend in complete warfare if we could read each other's thoughts. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would be a nightmare. Yeah. 
thankfully, uh, the one who does know our minds and our hearts is gracious. merciful and gracious. Yeah. And forgives us. Amen to that. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of Breakfast Theology. I hope that you found it valuable and that you share it. Uh, if you think that it will help someone else maybe uh, be yeah. mindful yeah. and... Uh, and you weren't tempted yeah. to turn it off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Until next time, talk to you later. See you guys later. Ciao.